This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season one, episode 44, we're calling this one, and then there were two. We just went over how the Phillies punched their ticket to the Fall Classic, winning the National League pennant four games to one over the Padres. And now we are talking to Lucella, the creator of all the sculptures around Wrigley Field, including Fergie Jenkins, which was just unveiled this last season. Joining me now on Fly the W, we have sculptor Lucella. You know his work from all over any Chicago stadium and from many more places beyond that. Um, but he was his latest work was featured this year at Wrigley Field with statue Rowan Gallagher way with the Fergie Jenkins statue. Lou, how are you today? Real good. Glad to be here. Now, Lou, I, I got to ask you, I mean, it is you are synonymous with statues here in Chicago and other places as well. But, you know, you grew up in the Chicagoland inter, uh, area. Were you always interested in Chicago sports teams growing up? Oh, sure. I remember, uh, you know, well, the first I remember of, the, of any of them was I was about uh, five, six years old. And uh, people around town were wearing T-shirts that said Cub Power on them. And I was really impressed with that and started pleading with dad to get me one. And, uh, well, eventually he did. He, uh, he got me that. He got me my first Cubs hat. And uh, every day he'd come home from uh, work and I'd ask how the Cubs did that day. And for most of the summer, he told me they won. And then I, I, I can still remember. All of a sudden he was coming home telling me they were losing. They were losing. <laughs> and then, well, you know the rest of that 1969 story. But that's how far back that goes. Yeah, my dad still holds a, a special bitterness in his heart for those Mets. Um, so uh, how did you get involved in art and sculpting? Um, was it something you were always interested in or something that came about through uh, maybe your family or was there a mentor? Oh, that was definitely in the DNA. Uh, my mother in particular, a uh, very artistic woman, a Renaissance woman, I would call her. Uh, she, uh, she had all the talents and, uh, nurtured them in all of us whenever she saw any opportunity, uh, to do so. So, uh, I had a passion for comics when, uh, growing up too. And that was really what I kind of saw myself doing for a while. And then got more into the graphic design as a career when I uh, graduated from uh, Illinois State University. 
But uh, along the way, I had sculpting courses in high school and college. And uh, what I eventually did was I, I was just doing it as a hobby and uh, with little figurines and eventually um, uh, decided I'd like to work larger. And I was looking for somewhere to, uh, to learn more. And uh, a friend of mine approached me with an advertisement with a photograph of the recently unveiled sculpture of Michael Jordan. And he said to me that he was thinking about taking a class with uh, these people. And I had just seen that sculpture after it was unveiled and loved it. And when I studied it, I thought, well, shoot, if I were gonna do one of these big ones, everything these people did is exactly what I would do. And uh, I went to the studio and I met uh, Omri Imrani and uh, of the Rock Blood Amrani Fine Art Studio and uh, started taking classes. That was in 1995. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, the Harry Carey became a possibility. By then he knew what a baseball nut I was. And um, uh, he got quite the baseball education from me being an Israeli immigrant. He certainly didn't know a lot about it, but uh, uh, we worked together on Harry Carey and that was a very generous thing for him to do. So that was after Harry passed in 1999. Did Harry ever know about the statue or was that commissioned after he passed? Oh, no, no. The idea of it didn't come up until uh, uh, after he passed. Uh, our, one of our representatives contacted John McDonough with the Cubs and, uh, and suggested the possibility. I don't recall for sure if John was thinking of doing one or if we, I, I, I always thought we put the, the seed in his, uh, in his mind. But uh, however it happened, um, we started having meetings and eventually uh, um, the, uh, if you remember Andy McPhail, the former mm -hmm. uh, team president got involved and uh, we, uh, we, we signed a contract, did uh, design work. And during the, if it, was, it was a really fun experience at the time because uh, we were working on this, the, the deal got sealed in August of, uh, 1998 and the Sosa McGuire home run race was at a fever pitch at that point. And we were locked up in this, it was, re, it wasn't the studio we're in now, it was more like a garage <laughs> and uh, working on this and, um, and listening to Pat Hughes and Ron Santo calling these games uh, every night on the radio, uh, you know, talking about, you know, doing the play-by-plays of Sosa uh, going for the home run crown and the Cubs eventually making the playoffs. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was a real magical summer. Now, you know, with the Harry statue, uh, that was the only one I didn't go to as far as the unveiling. I was in college at the time, um, but mm -hmm. I love the title of it. And a one and a two and a three. It's, it's, <laughs> You know, and, and you just see Harry over the bleacher, you know, just the way he was, you know, used to swing the microphone and it just became so iconic at Wrigley Field. It originally was at Addison Sheffield and they moved it by the bleacher uh, at, at, at uh, Waveland and Sheffield now, but always there. And I, I've been going for so many years and there's not a time I go to Wrigley Field where I don't see somebody taking a picture with Harry. Now, I, it's a great tribute. I mean, it's really keeping his memory alive at Wrigley Field. Question for you here. How do you choose what pose to use for the athletes? With Harry, we did uh, three or four different drawings. And um, 
Omri had always has a uh, uh, what he calls a sculpting montage. He likes to work multiple elements into his work, and he had done a number of things that uh, had that had that idea. He did one design that was strictly Harry just standing and uh, and singing. <laughs> he had he had him drawn in a in like a 70s style suit with these plaid pants and things like that. <laughs> Harry was not, was not a real, uh, real designer when it came to his fashion. And John McDonough certainly got a big kick out of it, but he, he kind of felt that that was more representative of his years with the socks. But, um, uh, but, but they chose from those drawings. We do it a little differently now. We'll, we'll take photographic images and rework them in Photoshop uh, to give a more realistic uh, illustration when we're in and place them with what we would think might be the site where it's going to go around the ballpark or in the ballpark, whatever they, they might choose. So they have an opportunity to look at a number of different things. Now, sometimes it's, it's, uh, they just say here, this is it. This is what we want. And we just take it and go. And there is no design work. I mean, I'm, I'm, not talking about the Cubs specifically, but, you know, different, different clients. Now I know for a fact that, that uh, the Ernie Banks statue meant so much to me. Uh, and there's a little backstory, but basically uh, just long story short, I snuck into the ceremony. I'm in the VIP section, Lou, you're a VIP. So you were there, you know, but I, I remember, you know, it was 2008 and it was kind of a rainy drizzly kind of day. And I remember Hank Aaron being there and, and obviously Ronnie mm -hmm. and, and Fergie and all that stuff. But I think the thing that stuck to me most is when, you know, Ernie's got this statue hovering above him and his voice, he was, he was a little bit sick that day and you know his voice was a little gravelly and he talked about long after I'm not here, I'll still be here. And that still sends chills up my spines. You said, this is a quote from you about the Ernie Banks statue. I believe it's the hyper real sculpture has one of the strongest connections to the public more than anything else I've ever worked on. There was an immense number of people who approached me with a deep emotional, emotional connection with Ernie. Um, do you feel like that statue is one that stands out for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the, I, I, I stand by that statement a hundred percent. That, that was, that was very unique. They, they all have their interesting connections to the people uh, that, that they are presented to that they're done for that one, I, I, part of it was, I, I just wasn't ready for that much of a personal uh, connection to it. He, he just seemed to be one of those people that had a positive influence everywhere he went. Uh, I really couldn't find anybody who, not that I was looking, but there's always something bad to say about somebody. There's always, you know, the guy could have one bad day and that information would get to a reporter and you'd hear about it. Uh, not with Ernie Banks. Ernie Banks was absolutely uh, positive across the board. And, these, and it was just all these stories of, of when I was a kid. You know, dad took me and, and Ernie signed this, or we went to a shopping center and Ernie was there and he spent some time talking to me and my, you know, things like that just over and over. And more and more people I knew were asking if they could come and take a look at it in progress. And as long as they were, you know, cool about not taking pictures or anything, uh, you know, I, I'd let them. And when we got to the end of the process with the final details going into the clay, I, w I was inviting some of these people to take the sculpting tools and just put in a you know, little pinstripe 
on a sleeve or, or, you know, near the logo or something like that, just so they can look at it in bronze later and, and, uh, be able to say that they, they got their, they got their fingerprint on it somewhere. And that, that was neat that I am glad I thought of doing that because certainly nobody else would have. And it meant a lot to them. So when some of these uh, other people came out in the rain that day, cause boy, you're right. It was raining. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they, it, it meant so much for them to come and, and see the piece and know that, uh, you know, they, you know, they were involved a little bit. In fact, one of the, my favorite stories from it was one of those friends who came, he asked me, when is this supposed to be taking place? And I, I said, specifically, it's supposed to be 1959. The, I thought they would go for a 69 look and he said, no, we'd like to keep it with his MVP. The 50, he won it back to back, as you know, and it was the first player ever to do that. In 58, though, the uniform was not pinstripe. It looked different. It was, I think it had a zipper and, and uh, white piping on the cap. And uh, the 59 one became the more traditional version that uh, it is today. The difference being that it didn't have the little bear on the sleeve at, at that point. But uh, so I told this guy that and he said, you know, that's the first time uh, I ever went to a game was 1959. He said, my dad took me and my brother and they were playing the Milwaukee Braves and uh, they were playing against the great Warren Spahn. And the Cubs were down three and I don't know, the fourth inning or something. I, I, I can't remember third inning. There was uh, there were two men on and some nobody drew a walk with two outs and Ernie came up with the bases loaded. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hit a grand slam, put the Cubs up, uh, whatever it was, four to two, four to three. And, uh, and he was magical. He was saying he was a kid. It was the first time he ever went to a game and he saw Ernie Banks hit a grand slam. And as soon as he told me that story, I said, from now on, anytime somebody asks me, when is this supposed to be? I'm going to say it's moments before Warren Spahn threw him the pitch that he hit out for a grand slam at Wrigley Field in 1959. So that's it. That's what that's what's going on there. <laughs> now, yeah, and I can tell you, I, I was there at the unveiling for the Ron Santo statue, and he had passed uh, before mm -hmm. the statue was finished. But I, I remember I was with my dad, and and you know, you talk about like the family ties to a lot of these things. You know, my dad took me to my first game, and Santo was his favorite player, and I got to love Ron as, as an announcer. But I remember the unveiling, and it's always very cool if you've never been to one. You know what I mean? They got the blue, uh, I don't know, tarp or, or yeah. whatever over it, yeah. and then they just take it off. And, and there's kind of like an audible gasp, right? Like, like yeah. when you get to see it for the first time, and the cameras are all clicking. But I remember, like, my my dad was there, and it was, uh, you know, that that him picking up the the ball looks like a, a bunted ball or an infield grounder, but he's picking it up and getting ready to throw for throw to first. And my dad just absolutely fell in love with that statue because again, that's what in his head he remembered, you know, how many times he saw Ron Santo make that amazing scoop play to throw it, you know, a guy out at first. So, you know, it is just, 
I think everybody's got a different statue that's their favorite. Now, like I said before, Ernie, Billy, and Fergie were all alive when uh, their statues were done. Have they ever talked to you about the statue or any thoughts about it? Um, a, a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I didn't meet Ernie until uh, the day of that unveiling. The, uh, the, the Cubs kept me sequestered from him. Um, but Billy was directly involved. And I went to his home uh, in Glenview and, uh, and spent some time with him and his wife. And he showed me his whole collection and just started telling stories uh, about uh, being in the minor leagues and things like that. So, I, I mean, you're asking me about after the fact. And uh, usually it's just that if I run into them, just how much they're humbled by it uh, and, and flattered that the Cubs would do something like this, that it's always meant a lot to them, uh, things like that. Um, <laughs> Ernie, uh, I didn't actually spend any time talking to him until uh, that Ron Santo unveiling. There's photos of me standing with him right in front of the statue talking and uh his his friend uh this woman kind of she represented him a little bit her name is regina and she was the one that would always remind him she always remembered me and she would remind who i was and she's saying ernie this, this, lou this is the you know the sculptor and you know ernie could be kind of kooky and and my uh and my wife she was my girlfriend at the time is standing there and she she's watching this unfold and uh and he and and I was going to shake his hands, and he grabbed both of my hands with his hands, and he was feeling them, like squeezing them. And he says, "These are your hands. These are sculptor's hands. Sculptor's hands." And I, like, I, yeah, yeah, that, yes. <laughs> and he he said, "You made this. You you sculpted this statue with these hands." And was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, well, uh, Ernie, here's my uh, my fiance. This is Denise. You know, and he. He's, and she, he turns to her without saying anything else. He says, how did you meet? And, <laughs> you know, and he just, there's a way of throwing you off guard, you know, off your, off your game. And, and then he said, well, we met online. Online. And was that all right with you? And he just said, yes, it was all right. I mean, so it was just this, this, you know what? John McDonough used a term to describe Ernie. He was telling me how he's, probably the nicest person he is he's ever dealt with in, in the entire cub organization, but he's kooky. He's a <laughs> kooky guy. And he was trying to elaborate. He called, uh, he had this uh, uh, administrative assistant named Sarah and he called her in uh, and he said, he said, Sarah, how would you describe her? And he said, Oh, he's, he's such a nice guy. He said, no, nah, no, other than that. And she said, Oh, well, sometimes he's a little, mm, I don't know if strange is the right word. And John said kooky. And she said, that's the perfect word. <laughs> yeah, he so. did. He did. You know, he did always ask about you, which is off putting because usually everyone has a million questions, you know, for the, for the suit, you know, hall of famer, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh right, right, right. Yeah. It was, it was exactly. And Billy he, he, was <laughs> just as warm and welcoming. I mean, it just felt, you felt at home in his home and, and, uh, uh he he started talking about being in the minor leagues with Ron Santo, who uh, um, with, with their manager was Rogers Hornsby. Well, Rogers Hornsby, that to me is like saying you knew Abraham Lincoln. I mean, that's just a million years ago. And he's talking about how you know, Hornsby had told, uh, was going down the list of every guy in the team. He had them all sitting there and he said, 
he, he said to, to, to Billy, he said, you're going to be, he said, you're going to be in the majors one day. You're going to be an all-star. And, and he, then he said to Ron Sano, he said, he said, you can be in the majors right now. You'd start in the major leagues. And he said, did he say that about anybody else in there? And he said, no, he said, all the rest of you guys, he said, you're going to be pumping gas. <laughs> Jeez. Now, one thing to me that was different about all the, the ceremonies that I had been to um, is that this one for Fergie, this last time, you had a couple of different aspects of it where you had like uh, Marquee Network was kind of, it seems like they did an amazing video of you kind of showing you and having Fergie see that I think the Fergie design was from a Sports Illustrated cover, correct? Yes. 72? Yeah. So is that the year you won the Cy Young? It was, it was from that season. It was 71 yeah. or 72. Yeah. Right. And, and so it was cool to see kind of like a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff and they played it on that big jumbotron and Gallagher way. And they mm -hmm. had all those seats from Gallagher way and everybody from her Fergie's hometown of Chatham, Ontario and the luminaries, obviously all the great Cubs coming in there. And there's still a lot of fans. I thought it was a really neat way to kind of let a lot of people in on a, your process of doing things and B, being part of the ceremony. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was that. Well, that was fresh compared to the previous ones. Uh, you know, I'm, the existence of Marquee Network had a lot to do with with that happening. And um, this is terrible. I cannot remember the name of the man who who edited the thing. I uh, um, but uh, boy, did he know what he was doing. Uh, yeah. That that video was about three minutes long. Every time they'd have a uh, moment of me saying something, they would cut to an image of something connected to it. And it, it just really packed a wallop. And they, when they asked me for a photograph of my father, uh, they said they would, you know, they're going to try and put it in there. I, I kind of, you know, you know, he's like, <laughs> like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> you know, by, well, you heard the story, you know, dad had, uh, passed away just before I learned that they wanted me to do this sculpture. And uh, uh, so when they asked to include that, I, they sent me that video prior to uh, making it public, of course, in case there was something in there that was going to make me, you know, oh my God, you can't show it. Uh, nothing like that happened, but I took it and showed it to my mom and I stood behind her while she was watching it on her computer. And, uh, and that moment came where I was talking about that and, uh, and she remembered cause I called her, but you know, then they put up the image of the two of us at the world series. And that was the last time he went to a game was, uh, he was at game five, the only one the Cubs won at Wrigley field. And, uh, and she just put her hand to her mouth and, um, well, she was very moved. And later in the day, she wrote to me and said, I've watched that video four times and I've cried four times. Uh, she says, I have to stop watching it, but it's wonderful. And I, of course, told everybody who I spoke to in the organization just what that, that, that video meant. But it did a great job of communicating the interaction with Fergie, too. It, 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 that, uh, you know, when he came in there and picked up the glove and held the ball and things like that, you know, and a guy is in his mid seventies and he, he looks great. It was like, he was ready to suit up. And like yeah, I said, that... in that video, that's something that I just don't get very often. I did, I do. And I did Paul Canerco. They wanted that to be a complete surprise for him uh, at uh, the White Sox. So I couldn't work with him uh, and he was still playing, but 
uh, you know, that having Fergie there to be involved was, was really special. Yeah. And, and like you said, just the video just captured all to me, like all the behind the scenes and all that goes into it is, I mean, it just was a really cool feature. And obviously when Fergie was being unveiled, he was put into what is now called statue Rowan Gallagher way. What were your thoughts the first time you saw all your works other than Harry all in one place like that? Ah, that was really something. I, I, I thought it was a neat idea when they told me, but when I saw it the, uh, for the first time the day I delivered the sculpture to Wrigley Field. So, you know, we bring the sculpture in from the uh, Waveland Avenue side of the building and, you know, they get it hidden away and everything and they take me inside and, um, and we're talking to, uh, you know, Crane Kenny and some others and they say, well, let's go out there and take a look. And so we go out and they've already got uh, the other ones in place and <laughs> standing there looking at them in a row. And I, damn, this is, this is pretty, this is pretty flipping cool. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I, I just, I, I kind you know, one of the things that happens is when they're outside, it seems like no matter how big you make these things, when you put them in front of a building, somehow you, they disappear. They, they, Julian Omri did these. I worked with him on these statues for the Packers years ago of Vince Lombardi and, um, and Curly Lambeau. And those are 14 foot figures on six foot bases and they're, they're 20 feet high. But when you approach Lambeau Field, you can't even see them. They, they, they just disappear. So that's what I was kind of worried about. And oh no, they, they, they had this thing framed so beautifully. It was almost the focal point as you as you walk through Gallagher Way. I, I I'm so thrilled that they do that. I hope they've moved them so many times for so many reasons with all the construction they've done. I hope they never move them again. I they'll never top this. I got to tell you too. What's cool is at nighttime when you see the spotlights on them too. That's even uh, to me. That's even crazier when you get to you know. It kind of gives you chills. But uh, the one thing I did notice, Lou, is that there are four statues but six bases. So my guess is that your work for the Cubs is not finished just yet, my friend. I think that you'll have a couple more, hopefully uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, <laughs> I got a feeling there'll be some more added. And yeah, I'm sure the Cubs keep will come asking calling. Me to guess. People keep asking me, oh, you know what they're going to do? You know what they're going to do? And they, they come to me and they want more. I'm, I'm ready. I don't care who it is. We can be Frank Chance or Gabby Hartnett or Andre Daugh. I don't know. Whoever they want. <laughs> I'm going to love doing it. And I'll already know a lot about whoever it is. So it'll be. Ooh, I really fun. appreciate you coming on here. And, and just like I said, just seeing all the work that you and the studio has done for, I mean, like I said, whether it's the Blackhawks, the Bulls, the White Sox, but, but your work for the Cubs obviously stands out to me just because of all the memories that are in those statues for Cub fans. I think, I mean, there, there's, you've done such an amazing job of, of capturing the essence of all these people that meant so much to us that it truly is an honor having you on here, Lou. Oh, that's my pleasure. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun to talk about these things to anybody who's interested in hearing. So I'm, I'm very glad you had me on. And, and when, when you do your next one, we expect you, we expect a full report. All right, Lou. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, bud. You take care. All right.